welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I'm Connie, along with the Lisa Frank of our time, Meg. This is episode 46. She's going to tell us about Sarah Jo Pender. That was high praise and that is completely high. untrue. No, it's not. I If I got any of the sticker of the month, I would, I would pull them out like a tattoo. But I don't get sure. them. Well, but you know, you know what else? It's September now, so it's soup and pumpkin spice season. Whoop, whoop, whoop. I know it's 80 degrees, but still let me sip my hot latte and enjoy my bread bowl for a, full of vegetable puree and peace. Mm-hmm. No bread bowl for me these days, but the soup. Chef's. <laughs> I had chili tonight. Chili isn't soup. Yes, it is. It's like fall. It's like you tiptoe into fall with chili. Chili is chili. But I chili. didn't even do real chili. I did like basic white girl <laughs> chicken chili. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll allow chicken chili as a soup, but I maintain that chili is not a soup. Give chili. us your give us your hard opinions on this. Yeah, <laughs> this is the most debatable topic. We'll have a, just a giant picture of chili. I think it's a soup. Anything that has well, okay, so I guess is a smoothie you, a soup? Yeah, it's a fruit soup. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I can't drink them. It's a bean so soup. <laughs> it's bean soup. What do you call it? Hot people, hot people soup. Is that what you call it? Hot? What was it? You we were talking about hot tubs. You said hot people. Soup. Oh yeah, it's hot people soup. <laughs> Sitting in hot tubs, it's like you're making your own stew, just like a bath. I love baths. <laughs> Not to get clean, but just to run up that water bill. But I digress. <laughs> just to run up the water bill. Okay, okay. Today I'm going to talk about Sarah Pender, and we're bringing it back home. We're in Indiana. Um, she was a high school honor student, majored in physics at Purdue, and happened to be involved with a double homicide in 2000. Whoa. She didn't. <laughs> yeah, kind of fall from, fall from grace, huh? Oh, she, has... she was not the victim? No, she was not the victim. Okay. I was like, I don't want to make a joke about Purdue if she was the victim. No, she's not. Okay. Victim. She has been described. She has this tag on her that she is the female Charles Manson. Whoa. The prosecution at her trial so lovingly gave her that title. Um, we're also going to talk about her boyfriend at that time, Richard Hull. Ricky Hull, Rick Hull. Dick. And the- <laughs> Dick Hull. <laughs> and the chaos that ensued. So Sarah Jo Pender was born May 29th, 1979. Gemini. Yeah. Fellow crazy Gemini. Hey, hey. Despite the fact that her parents divorced and had, it was a very messy divorce. She had a rocky relationship with her sister. She got really good grades, though. She went back and forth between living with her mom and her dad, but she spent most of her teenage years living with the rigid rules and structures and criticisms of her dad. She was diagnosed with depression at 15, but she hit it very well. She was popular. Lots of people liked her. Quotes from her. The people that she went to high school with are like, no, she was so nice. Kind of got along with everyone. But at 16, she stole her stepmother's car. Um, she actually stole her stepsister's car first and drove it until it run, ran out of gas and then came back and stole her stepmom's car <laughs> and immediately got T-boned. Like, oh, that's karma. She was fine. She um, had a broken pelvis 
And then she had to go to like a girl's home, like a ju- like a juvenile girl's home for a, just a little bit. But she went back to school, determined to do great. And she did. She went to college at Purdue after she graduated in 1997 from Lawrence Central High School in Indianapolis. Whoa, Lawrence yeah. Central. That's like. It's close to home, right? Yeah, that's real close to home. And uh, I think like if you are an international listener, Purdue is very prestigious. It is not Ivy League, but um, I was actually the, reading. It's where the smart kids go. Yeah, like it's engineering school is like one of the top schools in the world for it and And agriculture um, yep and a degree like one of those degrees from purdue is looked at just like it would be if it were from from like an ivy league school you you with all that messiness she had to have maintained very good grades and a great like sat act exactly um and the first semester went really well uh but by the second she kind of found partying. She came back over Christmas break and one of her, she saw she saw a former teacher of hers and this teacher said that she talked to him about how she had gotten into like S&M, which was out of character for her. Are you just going to tell your old teacher that? It's weird, right? But by her first, by the end of her first year of college, she was pretty much done. She got a job at a construction company as a secretary um, Sarah said that she felt like she just couldn't manage her classes and living on her own because she was really young and immature, which can relate. Yeah, I can relate to that. She got an office job at Carl E. Most, which is a construction company. She's doing her best, but her best was mostly smoking weed and doing coke. Ooh. Eventually, she left that job for a temp agency. This is over the time when she's like 19, 20, 21. She's partying. She's doing normal that age stuff she met her boyfriend richard hall at a fish concert at deer creek in july of 2000 man my husband is obsessed with fish well uh i was i was looking at these concert dates and reading about them and apparently in deer at deer creek in 1999 fish had one of the best shows that they had ever put on oh but it wasn't this oh. year, it was the year before that. So she met him at this concert. She really met him at a party that was in a house near the concert. And then she lost track of him. So and she was determined to find him. And she just drove around Noblesville, where he said he was from, until she saw him literally walking down the road. No, Sarah. <laughs> what? I really go for it. That's like before GPS and everything. (laughs) No, you're just like, like, I'm going to find him. (laughs) Jesus. She said it was just a creepy coincidence. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just a creepy coincidence that I. It was creepy, Sarah. (laughs) It was creepy. You got that right. So they, uh, they met in July. They fell in love. And by August, September ish, they were living together in Indianapolis. They got a house. He. was mostly selling drugs, but at night he would bounce for different bars or like local, local watering holes, you know? Mm-hmm. I They're, know the type. <laughs> their, uh, Richard's friends, Trish and Drew, moved in with them also. Now, Sarah had had that little bit of trouble in high school, but Richard had a record. Uh, in every single article, he's described as like this football player, 
but he wasn't like quarterback football player. He was like lineman. This dude was huge, like over six feet, almost 300 pounds. Big dude. Oh, God. Uh, so his younger his younger record, though, wasn't crazy. It was uh, illegal consumption by a minor, auto theft, OWI, 96. And then 98, it was residential entry. So Sarah was allegedly unaware that Trish and Drew were actually fugitives from Nevada. Oh. Yeah. Trish had done time for forgery, and Drew had possession with intent to distribute meth. Oh, meth. And if if your brain's like, wow, that sounds like trouble waiting to happen, you are right. Richard and Drew were using and selling weed, meth, and LSD and acid. Is LSD and acid the same thing? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. But maybe someone else can tell us that. Is chili yeah. soup and is LSD acid? <laughs> Richard <laughs> Richard told Sarah that he wanted to buy a gun. Now, in most of the articles you'll read about this, he said that he wanted to go to the country and shoot stuff. But Sarah says that he bought the gun... He, he wanted this gun because he wanted to shoot the dick off of a guy who had been bothering her. That he was going to, first he said he was going to blow up his house. And she was like, you can't do that. His parents live at his house. And, you know, they didn't do anything. Morals. You can't. The <laughs> yeah, parents. you can't do that. And he's like, I'm just going to, or get a gun. I'm going to go shoot his wiener off. And okay, she was like, I accept that. She, she was like, okay, for my honor. Sure. Why not? Anything. <laughs> it's the same reason anyone would want to buy a gun (laughs) but richard had a record so he couldn't buy a gun so she bought it for him october 24th 2000 living together like a month i guess month-ish two months richard and sarah went to walmart and bought a 12 gauge shotgun and does walmart still sell guns i don't know and when I say that sentence out loud, it sounds super messed up, but it's not weird, like in Indiana. No, it's not say, weird to went go to the Walmart and bought a shotgun. Yeah, that's like that's like a <laughs> Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, for that's most a regular Tuesdays. Tuesday. That's why when you said that he was like uh, he wanted to go to the country and shoot shit, I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds like a good old Indiana boy right there. All you need is a baseball bat and some mailboxes, and you rounded off the trifecta. <laughs> that's a tuesday afternoon okay so it was common for drew the roommate and rick to fight and argue about money drugs whatever when this happened sarah normally would leave she would go on a walk okay so they would start yelling at each other and she would just go she said she couldn't stand it and a neighbor said that this fighting that they had been doing had been getting progressively worse for a few weeks which, like, they've only lived there a few months, so how bad has so it been getting? So, were Drew and Trish, were they his friends or her friends? They were his friends. His friends, okay. Mm-hmm. So, like, they had known each other before. Yeah, but okay. Trish and Sarah did become friends. She okay. said that, Sarah said she wanted Trish to, apparently Trish had kids back in Nevada, and she wanted her to, like, leave Drew because he was abusive. And in the house, Sarah was, like, the house mom, and Trish was just, Drew's girlfriend, and then um, Drew and Rick were like brothers. The biz- just be- yeah, okay. <laughs> the business. Apparently, Richard's sister owed Drew money because she also was into drinking and drugs, but she was like a senior in high school. 
But apparently this specific fight on this night, October 24th, was why the fight broke out. He claims that Drew said that he was going to kill his family. That's what Richard claims. Sarah says on the evening of October 24th, she went for a walk when the arguing started. And when she returned, Richard had shot both Trish and Drew and asked her to help him get rid of the bodies. Trish was shot in the head and chest and Drew was shot in the chest. Jesus. In an interview, Sarah said that she had never really been afraid of Richard, but that at that moment, it felt like maybe it was in her best interest to just help him hide these bodies like he wanted. Probably had something to do with the fact that there was blood everywhere and he had a gun. Just Yeah, that. yeah. So she helped. Sarah Jo got blankets. She wrapped the bodies up. Uh, Richard had borrowed a truck the day before, and they transported the bodies to a dumpster near the 800 block of South Meridian Street. They borrowed cleaning equipment from the neighbor who said the fighting was getting worse and worse, and they deep cleaned the house. They burned evidence. She did not call the police at any point, and she just went to work the next day. Three days later, the bodies were found, and they couldn't identify them right away. Um, you couldn't get Trisha's fingerprints because she had oil on her fingers or something. That's what it said. I've never heard of that being the case, but... Yeah, that's I'm not familiar with that either. Yeah, but they did have tattoos, so they were identified by their tattoos. Um, and Richard was arrested pretty quickly, and he just admitted to it. He was like, yep, it was me. I did it. The next day, they went and searched the house, and they found traces of their blood. Sarah gave them a pair of Rick's pants that had blood on them, and it was confirmed to be both Drew and Trisha's blood. But Sarah is also arrested, which, fair. Yeah. And I know this is going, this seems to be going pretty quickly, but we have a twist coming, so hang in there. So the, did the neighbor that said they, the fighting was getting worse, did she hear the gunshots? It never says. And in the trial stuff, I don't think that she was interviewed, like, or tested. I wonder if, like, she wasn't home during that. Because, like, I would think if I heard gunshots and then someone's like, Knock, and you knock, can knock. hear them arguing. Hey, I, yeah, I, I'm assuming she wasn't there for that part because, yeah, she she would she have. definitely wouldn't have been like, oh yeah, absolutely. Here's some cleaning supplies. In fairness, this isn't a great part of town in Indianapolis. It was downtown. It was kind of a rough neighborhood, anyways. So that could have also played part of it. So we go to trial. They get their trials, and it would make sense that Sarah would get in trouble for assisting. Richard. Dispose of a body, yeah. That's yeah, and not fair. going to the police. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but Sarah is about to get charged with murder. Here's why. The prosecution cited that Sarah bought the murder weapon that morning and then helped Richard dispose of the bodies. The entire murder was her idea, it was her plan, and she manipulated Richard Hull into carrying out her crime. An Indianapolis Star journalist quoted Larry Sells, the prosecutor, who likened her influence over Hall to the control that Manson had over his own followers in 1969. And that's when the female Charles Manson tag stuck. And if you watch some of her interviews, she is very good at turning the charm on and off. She seems manipulative. That was just a personal character trait that I felt like you could tell. Yeah. We should note that like neither Hall nor Pender testified at their own trials. To convict Sarah, they used a letter that she allegedly 
air quotes, wrote to Hall. It said, I wish I could go back and change the events of that night. Drew was so mean that night. I just snapped. I didn't mean to kill them. It must have been the acid. When you said that you would try to take the blame, I knew then that you loved me deeply. At first, I thought you would tell, but you stuck to your promise. Then, at the end of the letter, there was like a postscript that said, destroy this. Her lawyer argued that the letter was fake, but a forensic examiner said, no, it's legit. Now, <laughs> that's pretty damning. Yeah. It's, uh, Sarah, Sarah Bender has a lot of pen pals, and she still does. Most of the time, she writes in very neat, curly cursive. Like, there's so many letters out there where she, om- almost always, it's in cursive. This specific letter was written in print. Um, he said that Richard had shot the couple because they were going to cut him out of a drug deal. Apparently, they had arranged for a chemist from Nevada to come to Indianapolis and run a meth lab in their basement. So that was their... Very Breaking Bad. Yeah, very Breaking Bad. Um, she had also started to write to another convict while she was in jail, and it got romantic. There were something like 80 letters between them. Uh, they agreed to get sick at the same time so that they could meet at the same hospital. This convict is Floyd Pennington, who is a convicted child molester, by the way. He got out. How did and they then, meet? I don't know. I have no idea. They just started writing back and forth. I would imagine, like, it will kind of come out more later, but I think he started writing her. I do know that, like, a lot of women and men have met their spouses, significant others, because there's, like, websites you go to where you can write inmates. Because, like... Well, he was in jail also at the time. Oh, okay. So that's not and he was and at, obviously it's like the early, it's 2000. So it's not like it's 2021 yeah. where it's like, <laughs> I'm going to meet an inmate because there are, I mean, not child molesters, but there are inmates who are just like had some weed. Now I'm here for a long time. <coughs> American judicial system. But yeah. I. Yeah. <laughs> no, this guy, he was actually in prison with Richard Hall. So they were in Pendleton and Sarah is about to go to Rockville. She's going to be in Rockville. So they meet up at this hospital. They both get, again, air quotes, sick at the same time. And Floyd says that they were alone for a half an hour at Wishard Hospital on September 22nd, 2001. And she told him that she was responsible for the murders. And the jury was like, yep, that's enough. You're guilty. And she was sentenced to 110 years in Rockville. Because in their eyes, Hull pulled the trigger, but Pender pulled the strings. That was their thing. So Richard took a plea deal. And for taking a plea deal, he got 75 years in Pendleton prison. But then in 2003, he filed an affidavit that confirmed that his roommate had forged the letter. And that Sarah wasn't there when he murdered Drew and Trisha. He wrote a letter saying that he framed her in hopes that he would get a better plea deal. And he did. Um, So she filed an appeal based on that affidavit, and they denied it. But Hull appealed it at his next appeal. They used the same affidavit to tell him that he had committed perjury, and they upped his sentence to 90 years. (laughs) So she couldn't use it, but they absolutely used it on him. And you're like, wow, Meg, that's a short case. No, no. Because Sarah Pender decided to pull some damn Ocean's Eleven shit and she escaped from prison. 
<laughs> you know what? Honestly, even she kind of got. She has the yes, she did. She did get the shaft, and we will we'll get there. We'll discuss that. But first, we got to hear about this because it's crazy. So Rockville is a medium security prison. There are roughly four guards per inmate, and Sarah did really well in prison. She got her associate's degree in CAD. She got her bachelor's in business. But despite how much time she got cut off of her sentence for good behavior, her earliest release date was 2052. Scott Spittler was hired by the Indiana DOC in 2003, and he was easily corrupted. It started with bringing in contraband. He would bring in cell phones and pills. Like He brought his wife's Vicodin and Xanax, and he could make a few hundred dollars her inmate smuggling stuff like this in, like three to four hundred dollars. But eventually it escalated and he started having sex with inmates in exchange for similar stuff, pills, whatever. Scott was having sex with several of the inmates at the women's prison, allegedly. <laughs> and Sarah and another inmate started to be his lookout. Like they would watch to make sure anyone was coming and they would warn them. And she was smart. She thought. If he's going to take money for smuggling in contraband and he's going to have sex with inmates, then he'll do whatever if he's going to get paid. Yeah. So she offered him $15,000 to help get her out of prison. And she had sex with him to like sign the contract. And he agreed. So August 4th, 2008, Monday around 2.30, Sarah Pender walked into the prison rec room before she slipped into the unoccupied gymnasium. And Rockville has like a gymnasium, like a fancy school, like a really nice, like basketball court gymnasium. Mm-hmm. So That's she, unexpected, but okay. I, I know, I agree. <laughs> she, uh, she goes through this gym and there's like those large metal double doors, just like in a school, right? She opens them up and they lead into a very long hallway. Sarah was wearing jeans and just a normal t-shirt underneath her prison uniform. Once she was in the hallway, she removed her uniform and threw it into an open ceiling tile before she stepped outside to a walkway that was between a security fence and the administration building. So just a little walkway between them. And she was able to avoid all of the cameras. But Rockville, within the next two weeks, was scheduled to install more than $250,000 worth of new security equipment. So this was like perfect Perfect timing. timing. Yeah. Yeah. This whole thing, it's just a perfect storm. So she gets past the administration building and there are vendors making the day's deliveries um, through a security gate or near a security gate. And she walks by the vendors in her plain clothes. No one says anything. And there is a security station that no one was at. Scott Spittler had told her that no one would be there at that specific gate on Monday afternoon. So she just walked out of prison. She was, <laughs> I know it's crazy. Bye. This has been fun. Smell you later. Waiting outside of the gate was a white van being driven by Scott Spittler. Sarah Pender walked up the sidewalk, opened the back passenger side door and got in. She changed into a prison guard uniform and hat that Scott got for her. And then she got in the back seat. Spittler drove down to the main gate with Pender in the van. He got out, talked to the guard, logged his fuel, and went back. And normally that officer manning the main gate would check the vehicle. 
but Scott knew that no one would actually look in it if he went up to the stand and just talked to them. So the gates were opened and Sarah was pretty much free. (laughs) In the visitor's area was a beat up Oldsmobile being driven by a woman named Jamie who had been locked up with Sarah at one point. Jamie calls Sarah her prison wife. Like they were in a relationship in prison and Jamie was like, they loved each other. They talked via phones and letters and she came to visit her frequently. Uh, Sarah got into the passenger side of Jamie's old Oldsmobile and got another set of clothes that she changed into. Sarah says it was just beautiful as the pair started driving towards Indianapolis. The prison didn't know she was gone until four o'clock. They realized at their four o'clock head count that the number was one off. So they sent everyone to their cells and did a bed check. And that's how they found out Sarah Pender was missing. Is this a plot for Orange is the New Black? <laughs> it's crazy, right? You're just like, <gasps> what? How? With as many people that, ex- that escape from prison, like, regularly, like, what the hell are they doing there? Not, well, I mean, Indiana DOC is kind of a not great reputation. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> They uh they were already in some heat around this time for hiring. Oh, his last name is really hard to say. Steve Kamziak. He was the guy who shot up the college campus in Illinois. Oh, DOC had hired him. He had worked for them, and so they had like, "How did you not know that this guy was crazy?" Kind of a thing. Another day. <laughs> Another day. <laughs> so Jamie drove Sarah to her house, and then. Sarah hopped onto the house of another woman she had served time with. And really quickly, they put her on the U.S. Marshal's 15 most wanted list. She was armed and she was dangerous, according to them. And the police, like, they saw the Oldsmobile on security footage. So they found Jamie pretty quickly. And Jamie gave it up. She just, she was like, yeah, okay, you got it. She didn't do it. Initially, she kind of like let Sarah know that they knew that she had helped. But then she was just like, okay. So she got seven years for aiding. Wow. Yeah. And then Spitler was next. He also got seven years. But in both cases, there were supporters suggesting that neither of these people would have been in this predicament had Sarah not bent them to do her bidding. Sarah had manipulated them to do this. As there's an officer in charge of her case and he looked through the stash from Sarah's cell, he got a little bit of insight into her life. She wrote a ton. She wrote lists. She wrote letters, notes. She kept all of her letters. People from far off writing her, you know, secret admirer kind of things. Not really secret. There were like sexy notes from other inmates. There were naked pictures of other inmates that had gotten out and sent them into her. Uh, There were letters from Richard Hull, who she had kept in contact with. And again, in Richard's letters he sent to her, he mentions that his mistakes caused him to lose two of his best friends. Okay, so we're still, we're going back and forth with Miss Sarah here. She got her very own episode of America's Most Wanted. And Police were quick. They were really doing everything they could to try to find her. But she had planned this for like two years and she was very thorough. She was already at another person's house. Uh, The cops had cut off her money supply. She had money orders that 
essentially when pills got smuggled in she would sell them get the money send it to jamie jamie would make a money order for her to give her when she got out so that she would have money when she escaped but they found them well jamie pretty much gave it to him and (laughs) sorry uh so she didn't have any money so she has another friend that she did time with and lenny lenny offered to maybe help her get some sex work and she did with an older gentleman named tom who happened to have the cash to spare tom and his wife were both very wealthy but tom had a sex addiction and a reserved chair at every strip club in indianapolis so under her new identity ashley She went and spent three days in a hotel with Tom before they decided that they kind of liked each other. And then they went to a casino. She told him her story and they were watching TV, her, her fake story. She told him her fake story. Then they were watching TV and she popped up on TV and he was like, oh, this is obviously you. So she told him her real story and like spun it like, no, I, I shouldn't be in jail for this. This is what happened. So he offered to help her. He introduced her to one of his friends in the construction industry. And that friend got her an on-site living space and gave her a job. And she went to work in Cincinnati. Yeah, just that easy. Just gonna have one sugar daddy. I want a sugar daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say that because you know you'll get some weird email. (laughs) Does it come with money attached? (laughs) They don't have to do anything for. (laughs) So this was her, this was her story, her fake story. Her name was Ashley Thompson. It's a very, (laughs) it's a very early 2000s name. Yeah, so I was trying to think, I was like, it's not like retro, but I guess that is kind of. It is kind of retro. Sorry, Ashleys, for calling your name retro. Uh, So her husband. No different than the Braxtons and. (laughs) Bentley's of 2020 it's gonna be it's just a good name a good solid early 2000s name I dig it so Ashley Thompson her husband was an abusive cop and she was hiding from him while she tried to divorce him she was on the run but older guy found out her real story and bought her a ring like straight up they he would go he would leave her in a hotel in Cincinnati And then come back like every other weekend and just spend the whole weekend with her and give her money. And she would go to work during the week. And it got so intense that he bought her a ring so men wouldn't hit on her because he didn't want men to hit on her. But Sarah was needy. And by needy, I mean that she probably had never been in a healthy relationship in her life. So she called Tom constantly. And over Labor Day weekend, he was just kind of over it. So he stopped answering her calls and he turned off his phone. And she started writing a letter talking about how she loved him, but she would leave if she had to. Um, And she included some pretty interesting tidbits about the original murder. She said that she was not sorry that she was caught, but she was sorry that there were dead people, but people die all the time. Killing people isn't a big deal because people die. Weird, right? Sarah got on a Greyhound and headed to Chicago. And got another job. Tom eventually turned his phone on and helped her get another job. He wasn't, he didn't actually disappear. He just didn't want to talk that weekend. Because he was with his wife? (laughs) Probably, probably. (laughs) So 
This time, she gets a job at another construction company as an estimator. She used her fake story about how she couldn't run a credit report for an apartment because then her ex-husband or her husband would find the trace on her. Like he would get a trace on her. He'd know where she was. So this company rented an apartment in the company's name and then had rent taken out of her check. And so now Tom is just coming to Chicago to hang out with her and they're rendezvousing there. That's a lot further drive. Well, he was, he was in Indiana. So he was going, yeah, he was going. And he even said like in his interviews that it wore him out to like physically to do this. Well, he's, isn't he older? Yeah, he's like 53 or something. Oh, that's not that old. Yeah. That's he was that just um, addicted to sex, I think. That would make anyone tired. <laughs> that would make us all tired, Tom. <laughs> so she did this for four months until December when a neighbor saw a rerun of her America's Most Wanted episode and called the tip line. They were like, hey, uh, I know this lady. One, how lucky you are to have just fallen upon this dude with money who is supporting and knows that you're like an escaped convict and is just supporting you. (laughs) I I shouldn't be laughing as hard as I am at the the, the fall upon since it was a sex arrangement. Like, you know, it was Uh, coming. Yeah. Like, (laughs) so they arrest her and they're like, you're Sarah Pender. And she was like, I'm not. I'm no, Ashley, Ashley Thompson. Thompson. <laughs> um, but she went with the police without a fight and Speaking eventually was like <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh my god, I have to make it real like that. That's a great idea. Um, she was returned to Rockville and they put her in solitary confinement for 1,870 days. Which in is more- solitary? In solitary. That's too much. I agree. I was like, that seems That's three years. That's more than five years. Oh, wait. (laughs) No. Three, six, nine, 12, 15. Oh, you said, I was thinking just a thousand. 1800. Yeah. 1870 days. By herself? That's. Yeah, I know. We'll we'll talk about that later. Yeah. I got, I got. (laughs) You've got feelings on solitary. Extended solitary. So she was returned to prison population in 2014, still maintains her innocence. The man that helped get her conviction, Larry Sells, now agrees that she likely was not responsible for the murders, but she was not also, she was not completely innocent. However, had she been convicted of what she was responsible for, she would have already hit like the maximum time she should have served. So they have not altered her. No, nope. She got, she earned that time off of her sentence for the schooling and all the stuff she did, like good behavior. But she, other than that, it has not been altered. And she's gained quite a large following of people who believe that she's innocent. Um, or at least that she has served long enough. There's like an episode of Snapped about her. Uh, Jenna Dewan did a Lifetime movie, like based Ooh. kind of on this story. <laughs> I didn't actually watch the, the movie or the episode. I do love her. She's great. So yeah, she's still in jail in Rockville. What do you think? I honestly don't know. She did say some pretty sketchy stuff. I don't think that she is. I don't think she murdered them personally, but I don't know that she didn't know about them. Like it was just like, oh, I came back and it was just like this. Yeah, that's what I think. I don't, 
I don't think anybody's telling the whole story. No, I assume she was there the whole time. Hmm. She may not have had a part of it, but I assume she was there. And helped get rid of the bodies. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I think, too. And uh, Richard Hulse maintains that, like, it was just him and she should be. He said he already has Drew and Trisha's blood on his hands. He doesn't want Sarah's on his hands, too. Respectable. (laughs) I guess. For a murderer. Yeah. (laughs) For a murderer. The trouble with all that shit and i say all that shit as in like all those hard drugs that they were doing it's like who the hell really knows what was happening during that time it alters everyone Mm -hmm. in that situation and they were all doing it and selling it and so now there's money involved and they live together if she hadn't like had so like she said some really questionable stuff um while she was awaiting trial too she was like trying to barter like sex for freedom or I'll get you money for freedom. Like anyone who she thought might be able to help her. She was very like, she's an opportunistic. Yeah. She was very opportunistic. That's a very nice way to put it. Yes. So I do not think that five years in solitary was warranted at all. No, not at all. I mean, not for escape. Yes. She escaped, but now you also have all this new security stuff installed and or even move her to maximum security if you're that worried about it. But Yeah, this is a medium security prison. Why would you want to keep her there if she's shown you that she can escape? Probably just because there's not really. I don't know if there's another maximum security women's facility in Indiana. Maybe Terre Haute? That I'm not sure of. I just think that if she wasn't, if she didn't have mental health issues before she does now. <laughs> uh, I, I maintain that... Pretty much if you're involved in something like this, you're not, you have mental health issues. Yeah, absolutely. I think that she, I, I do agree that she's manipulative and she's going to do whatever she can to like. Yeah. Even just like the letters from everyone, like she writes to everyone and is like very, she uses very flowery language with people. Mm. She probably, like, she's a very smart lady, I'm sure, but, uh... She got into Purdue. She definitely is. (laughs) She escaped from prison and found a way to have, like... Planning. Yeah, she... Planning. She she did that, which, like, yes, I am impressed, but also not cool. She said that she had (sighs) given up hope, and so she felt like that was her only way out. Which I get that, but there are also a lot of people... There are she's also only who, been in jail for like eight years. Yeah, there's a lot of people who are sitting in prison for the same amount of time for far less charges who are not escaping from prison. Yeah, like, who are like, yeah, I messed up. And she's some just, of them aren't even like, this is a classic, does the punishment fit the crime? Yeah, well, we don't know the crime. I would say yeah. that likely if she was released into like society, she probably would not be a harm to society if she was out there. She said that for those four months that she was out, she just went to work, watched TV, ate dinner. She just was quiet. She got a car. Yeah. I, this is tough. I think it's one of those issues for me about like rehabilitation versus incarceration. Oh, This is an instance where, she's got she's got these degrees she's proven that she can be rehabilitated but because she's in for murder 
were like, nope, she can't. So can people who are in for crimes like that be rehabilitated? Is that fair? Hmm. That's kind of a, that's a tricky question. That's one I don't want to get into because I think we'll get some. (laughs) No, you're right. Solitary that long though is crazy. Five years. Yeah, that is unacceptable on, dare I say, any account. I think if somebody's like psychotic, like if they're having like a psychotic episode and you need to like keep everyone safe, put them in solitary for like a minute, you know? Yeah. Or if it's someone who is like like sadistic. Yeah, yeah, like if you are just going around like shanking people, you know, if you are like the same shitty person, like doing the same shitty things that got you into prison, like consistently, yeah, I can see that. But not for five years, even then. No, and I always I urge people when it comes to solitary, um, I urge people who want to see why I am so against like solitary confinement. Um, look up you don't have to research the case of the West Memphis three, if that's not your thing, but these, they were wrongfully tried, charged, served a lot of time. And one of the men, his last name is Eccles, Damien Eccles. He was in solitary for so long. He has like, now that he's out, like he has a lot of issues include like not limited to like his, he has to wear these special glasses. Yeah. He has to wear these special glasses because like he can't really see, um, his like depth perceptions off. Like he has like severe PTSD from it. Like he slept when he got out, he slept like on the floor because that w- it was just, you know, it's the side effects of solitude. Yeah. Like it's torture. Like it should be reserved for the worst of the worst of the worst. And just escaping from prison doesn't seem like no. the, worst of the worst because of the worst. no one was harmed. It, you aren't supposed to do that. Like I'm not taking away from the security. <laughs> it's of so that. hard because it's conflicting in your head, right? That's yeah. like my issue. I was like, like I understand. Part of me wanted to be to. like, good for her, but part of me wanted to be like, no, not yeah. cool. But it's just like no one was harmed when she escaped. Grant, I cannot speak. You know, like this is not regarding the murders. This is her escaping from prison. She got more time in solitary for escaping from prison than she did from being convicted of murder murder good point yeah so that's i think they were pissed off that she escaped from yeah. their prison no that is absolutely the case there was a whole big mess about it um because like i said they were under fire for hiring the mass shooter guy and they were uh someone had just been elected like there was a new person who had taken over all of that prison. So it was under like a new regime and it made them look really bad that she had gotten out. But honestly, the problem is not her escaping. The problem is that you have guards who are taking advantage. Yeah. Like they're corruptible. They're taking advantage of inmates and inmate, a guard having sex with an inmate is rape because they don't have any free will. Like it, ugh. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. That's like the, that's what you should be more concerned about is that your she guards. got out because of one of your guards who was also sleeping with a lot of inmates. Smuggling but I think it's crazy and- that he only got seven years. I yeah. Like that she- is a higher, that's at least 10. Yeah. Like you, I, I don't know. I just kind of wonder that point about rape is really good. I wonder had, you know, had you been tried for, you know, however many women quote unquote raped hmm. interesting point mm-hmm. man 
It's wild, right? It is <laughs> so, wild. It's, wild it's honestly like kind of crazy. I always go back to Purdue because I am an, an if you're from the Midwest, even I'm in Ohio now, so I like I have to blend with my Ohio State shirts. But I was always IU over Purdue. I love the Indiana Hoosiers. Like I love IU. So I was always like, ha ha, like fuck Purdue. And then to see like you you hear Purdue as like this elite, like it's elite. And it's like, well. And every like Hoosiers in general, like people from Indiana are called Hoosiers. Mm-hmm. They have an opinion on IU versus like that's a thing in my family that like some of them like Purdue and some of them like like my husband mm-hmm. went to Purdue and his dad went to Purdue so they're like yeah Purdue and then the rest are like yeah you. I think it's weird I think school spirit's weird personally <laughs> <laughs> we always joke uh because Zach is going right now and like we always joke about like Ohio State stuff and I'm like I don't know what's going on I just blend in so people don't talk to me I don't want people to be like hey you're you're really gonna wear that IU shirt around here yeah, like if you wear sports teams and somebody's like, hey, Blackhawks suck. I'm just like, oh, because, you know, you're not. I'm like, yeah, they do. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, shit. That's my, actually, it's normally the difference because I, I kind I like hockey. So I have a uh, San Jose Sharks jersey and I wear it when it's cold out. And sometimes I get like, hey, Sharks suck. Because people around here are like Blackhawks fans and Blues fans and stuff. I like old sports t-shirts. I like to buy the crew neck ones from Goodwill. And like, I like They're how cozy. soft They're broken. and broken in they are. Someone, I don't need someone put the a lot of love into them. Comes, I don't need the drama that comes along with it. With with the sports ball teams. With the sports ball. And like, that's not. So I, I went through, I would say it was a phase. I was super, I love Peyton Manning. Like I joke, like our Lord and savior, Peyton Manning. If you're from Indiana, you know what I mean? Like he's built children's hospitals. He he's the goat. And I will physically fight someone who says anything. Otherwise, honestly, I don't even need to hear it. Like I will physically fight you, but he retired. And then I was kind of like, whoop, sports is done. What am I going to do? I'm over it. You're all gone. Like I don't. That's it. That's all, folks. But that was a good episode this week, Meg. (gasps) (laughs) Yeah, thanks. I was, um, yeah, I really kind of just wanted to take, take it back to, uh, take it back to the Hoosier State. It's nice when I like know where things are. And honestly, I know everywhere. I know not all of you guys know where things are, but when I'm reading about something, I'm always interested because I'm like, oh yeah, that's right there. Like, it's just like so many weird little cases and weird little murders and we got a lot of meth and like a lot of shit. Yeah. You add that in and it's it's crazy. But yeah. We got a lot of meth. <laughs> I got the apple crisp latte. Yeah. I guess that's it. Everyone enjoy your uh, pumpkin so, spice lattes and uh, soup. I'm, okay. So I pull up and it's like pumpkin. It's like, I don't like to try new so, things. Oh, it's gross. I haven't had it, it yet. Like, I just went straight pumpkin to pumpkin spice season. Like cold brew. Here I come. And then it's like apple crisp. And I was like, you know what? I like the caramel apple spice. Like you add some coffee to it. Eh, let's, you know, it's a macchiato. I love them. Let's try it. Yeah, that's, I'm done. Like I'm done because the Starbucks I went to, they were out of. Just get a caramel apple, apple chai. Sauce that goes on top, <laughs> which I get. It's crazy time. I know a lot of shit's out. Like I'm not dissing that, but I, the, 
I pull into the drive up and I'm like sitting there and I'm like, hell yeah. No, yeah. Good, I, I worked at Starbucks. Like, I'm glad I don't work here this? now when everything is out. Cause I, I know love that's a barista that talks to me. I, I love it. I'm like, what? I haven't tried it yet. She's like, a lot of people are saying it tastes like Febreze. <laughs> You're like, are you going to tell me oh, it's good? No. And like, she's telling me, like, I haven't tried it. Like, you know, if you don't. <laughs> we love an honest barista. <laughs> so she offered. Okay, this is. I'm going to give taken, everyone okay, an insight into happens, my brain. I'm drink, sitting there and she's telling and me how go, horrible this, this is going to be. And, and so then I'm sweating. You a new one. Like literally perspirating. And I'm like, shit. This is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. I wasted my stars on this. <laughs> yes. I'm like, I spent six dollars. Here you go. And then she looks at me. <laughs> if you're going to, you'll be able to see this. She looks at me. She's like, Can you waste your you stars and your it. drinks suck? If you don't like it, I'll make you another one. And so I drank it and it was awful, but I was like, too much pressure. It's great. Thanks. Have a good day. Like it's fine. You have a, you have a whole life. No, I absolutely would have done that. I would have been like, no, no, no. I, I don't want to trouble you at all. I just wasted my stars. And so you could go back tomorrow and be like, I had that caramel apple spice. I wasted my stars on it. It was awful. And they I would just, be like, we'll make you a drink. No big deal. And I, I know, know. But she like looked at me. I the baristas that I work with, some like of them are like, listening to this, shit. and they would be like, yeah, we would do that. And they probably wouldn't even be annoyed because they know it's gross. And, she was, and then I was like, even if it doesn't taste like Febreze, my brain is going to be like, Febreze, Febreze, Febreze. I love, Febreze. I love your peppy barista impression. She's my favorite. I was like, I can't do it. I can't. It's But did I drink the you're, entire you're your coffee? Memory or whatever. Yes. Your old factory. I was like, plug my nose, vibes up, bitches. I need some caffeine. Did you? No. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Oof, that's rough. Yeah, I can't. That do is it. the worst though. When you I, use I your just, stars I and your drink, watch my weight waitress bad. spit and in I, my food, I know, and I probably I I can go back. Like, this and be is like, great. Thank you. This You're is bad. And I, it's fine. I almost don't worry. never you do sneeze, it. I don't care. I will never complain. I will never send anything back. I have a history. It's a curse. <laughs> It's documented. I can if I order it. it's no fast trouble food, if I go through fat, <laughs> if I order for the family, my food is gone. It's missing every time. But it's messed up. Like it's only mine. It's been like this for years. I've accepted it. I'm just like, it's fine. I don't like gluten free, but you put it in the <laughs> flour tortilla. Up. There's something it's wrong. Fine. With it. I'll be. It's great. And I don't. Yeah, I'm never gonna. I will never complain because service jobs are tough. They get enough bitchy people and I will never complain. I'm going <laughs> to, I'll just eat the middle. Yeah, no. We've worked service shops. And also we should tell them that our parents. And it'll be very much way. like, we both have a parent me? that is. And they're great. Our parents complain. are great. Immediately. But my particular parent that I'm referring to, who I know doesn't listen to our podcast because she hasn't mentioned my teeth, the teeth story, but they will. And I think I felt that flame of embarrassment from them so many times. I'm like, I don't mine. care. <laughs> yes. No, I told you I went out to dinner 
with my dad and he started we call it his ed face because that's my grandpa <laughs> it's my grandpa my grandpa's also grumpy or has been grumpy so we call it he gets his ed face on and he starts complaining that the about the food and i put my mom voice on for my dad and i was like dad that's enough they've heard you and he was like yeah i don't sorry sorry mick <laughs> and like I, he turned into a you could kid. set my very, plate on um, fire in front of me and i will eat it I also, I it was weird complain. for all of us and i didn't go back to that restaurant for months no, it's fine i'm gonna eat it off the floor but she was making <laughs> eye contact with me like try i felt like when my daughter drop like, it on the floor like, like no no no, it's yes. fine i'll just eat yes, this yes i no love bitch. your mud pie i'm gonna eat it right now thank you yeah Achoo! you sneezed in my drink i don't care you can tell me if you don't like it i'll make you another no it's fine it's perfect it's great it's best <laughs> thank macchiato you. I've ever so good. <laughs> it's you know they put some people are saying it tastes like Febreze. the best part I wonder if it's my like husband was sitting next Febreze. to me too like waiting for me to be like what do you I'm think i'm gonna bring you a bottle of that for your do new you life. like it <laughs> it's like this is and then you know because he's had covid i was like can i not taste it do i <laughs> we not need it? your honest opinion is this, it? this is our first outing pc post covid ah well that's it that's my febreze story <laughs> starbucks I still love you. I mean, I'm still going to go and spend my... This is how I got it. Yeah, I'm going to go tomorrow <laughs> after work. I will not get your apple crisp thing again. I'm going to be there this week. It's fine. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Gruesome Horrific True Crime. We love you, beautiful strangers. And if you love us too, and you'd like us to keep putting out ad-free content... Here are some of the ways that you can help support Gruesome. You can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us, and you get a I knew them before they were famous moment. Follow Gruesome Podcast on Instagram and talk to us on our posts. Engage with us. We love to hear from you there. If you'd like to send a donation, we have a Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and to gain access to exclusive Patreon perks. If a one-time donation is more your thing, you can find our Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and our PayPal using our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us questions, comments, suggestions, or just ask our opinion on whether or not that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, and on Wednesdays, we're, we're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye. Bye.